Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. What's up, TC? How are we doing this morning? You guys doing good? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey guys, listen, if I haven't had the chance to meet you just yet, uh, my name is Rick Rodriguez and I'm on staff here as one of the pastors at Transformation Church along with, man, I have a beautiful bride, Tiffany, you can wave hi. I have two amazing kids, they're awesome as well. And so, so look, at, look at, we are in week six of our series called Name Tags. Everybody say Name Tags. Now before I go any further, can we do this? Can we just give honor where honor is due, guys. Can we give it up for our lead pastors, Pastor Brad and Miss Ashley? You guys are amazing. I'm not going to get emotional in this part of the sermon, but I can't tell you how much I love you guys, um, how much you guys have meant to my family. Even I think yesterday in the text, I told you guys yesterday, man, that I'm just grateful for your leadership, but also for your friendship because it's something we hadn't had in like 15 years. And so just so thankful to be under you guys. And thank you for loving me and for sharing the stage because I know you don't take it for granted, right? And so, um, all right, so look, a lot of you guys don't know my story too much. So let me give you just insight to who I am. Um, I am from Waco, Texas, okay? So uh, the moment I said Waco, Texas, three things kind of popped into your head, right? Number one is Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? So they're like, yeah, we love them. Baylor Bears is another thing. But if you're old enough, another part of Waco is the compound, David Koresh, right? So I wasn't a part of that, I promise you, right? And so, um, but I grew up about 15 miles from that. I was raised by my grandparents, Robert and Jeanette Anaya. They took me in at the age of five. So anytime that I reference to my parents, I'm talking about them. When I say mom and dad, those are my parents. When I talk about my biological family, I'll say my biological mom or my biological dad. So, but my grandparents took me in at the age of five. And man, they had me in church from the age of five all the way till I left. And can I tell you this? Church was not an option. Like, I had to go every, every time the doors were open. So, and listen, they were good old Southern Baptist folks. Where's all my Southern Baptist people like that? Grew up Southern Baptist, come on. Yeah, listen, we love casseroles, come on, dinner on the grounds, old-time revivals. My dad will always make a joke to me. He would always say, you know, Ricky, sometimes us, us Baptist folks, we're really good at saying hi to people in the church, but ignoring people at the liquor store. Come on, somebody, right? And I'm like, that's kind of funny, Dad. That's kind of true. And so, um, anyway, so... But again, for them, I was raised in church, right? We had Sunday school, then we had big church on Sunday, then we had Sunday night service, then we had Wednesday night service. And so for me, I was, I was baptized at the age of six. And then around 14 years old, I, I committed what I thought my life to Jesus, okay? The reason why is because I was, I was kind of scared into hell. Anybody ever been there before when you heard those sermons where you're like, if I don't get right, I'm going to go left. Come on, somebody, right? So I was just like freaking out and so... Because I made this commitment to follow Jesus, but can I tell you this? My life didn't change at all. I knew God up here, but I didn't know God in here. And I didn't allow, his, I, I, I didn't allow anything about Christ to transform my life. So, man, I kept doing my own thing, kind of wilding out, doing whatever I wanted to do. But then at 20 years old, I found my way to a good old Assembly of God Pentecostal church. Where's all my Pentecostal folks at? Come on, right? Usually the loudest in the room, right? And so... Uh, but I remember I got accepted to, to, to join this big production thing. And so my mom said, well, if you're going to do that for them, then you're going to have to attend a Wednesday night service and attend church at least twice a month. Got it, mom. On a Wednesday night, I walked in. How many of you guys know there's a big difference between the Pentecostal space and the Baptist space? Come on, somebody, right? So 
And so, man, that's, I walked in, and God radically changed my life that night. For the altar call, I, I remember crawling over people. I was like 10 to 12 rows back, seven seats deep. I'm crawling over people. I'm running to the altar, you know, and I gave my life to Christ that day. I had a radical moment with Jesus that, that night. My leader said this. He goes, hey, now it's your, now it's your job to go tell somebody. Oh, yeah, my first thought, I'm going to go tell my parents. I'm going to go tell my parents what happened. It's going to be awesome. And so he, but then he was like, hey, but first we're going to Whataburger. I go, I'll tell my parents later because big boys got to eat. I love Whataburger. And so went there, got home. My mom was old school, again, my grandparents. So they never went to bed until I got home. So it's like 11 o'clock, and my mom is waiting up. I walk in, and I begin to tell my mom what happened that night. But my mom's response to me was completely different, and it wasn't what I was expecting. I said, Mom, guess what? God changed my life tonight. I, I gave my life to Christ, and I'm a new person, somewhere around that. And instead of my mom going, oh, Ricky, I'm so proud of you, or hey, son, that's awesome. That's amazing. I can't wait to see what God does in your life. Her response was this. We'll see. Yeah, that was my thought. I'm like, oh crushing, you know. But let me defend her for a moment. The reason why is because my life had always been, I'm going to change, and then I do good, and then I fail. And then I try to do good, and then I fail. I try to do good, and then I fail. I try to do good, and then I fail. So my mom is like, eh, you said this before. We'll see. She gave me a kiss on the cheek, told me she loved me, and went to bed. Can I be honest? 20 years old, I was crushing so then what I did is that I began to do my very best to prove to them that I had changed. But almost like in the back of my mind, it was like they were waiting for me to fail. That was the pressure that I had. That my parents were just going, I can't, yep, Ricky, you're here, but listen, I'm just waiting to see the old Rick again. So I kept having this pressure over and over and over again. Four and a half months go by, and then we're having this big family dinner. Everybody's there, and I'm doing what I always did. I would begin to serve my family without being asked to, right? I'm taking out the trash. I'm washing dishes. I never did that before unless, you know, my parents told me to. And then in that moment, who else has teenagers or young kids? Like, I'm just getting an attitude with them, throwing dishes, whatever it is. I'm like, oh, my God. So, but this time, everything's different. I'm serving without having to be told anything. Remember, I'm putting dishes up. It's just me and my mom. We're hanging out in the kitchen. And my mom comes to me. Everybody else is gone. And she puts her hand on my face. And she said, you know, Ricky, I believe you now. And, and it was like this, this weight was kind of just lifted off of me. Because now my, my mom, the person I, I loved, I'm, I'm still a mama's boy, you know. And so uh, the person I loved the most, now I proved to her for four and a half months that I was good. And I proved to her that I was worthy to be in her house. And, and I proved to her that I had changed. As I think about that part of my life, I wonder if that's almost what the prodigal son felt like when he came home in Luke chapter 15. You know, Pastor Brad opened up our entire series with this one story. And, and really, I kind of already had my message kind of teed up. I already had the outline. But then the moment he preached that message, everything went out the window. I was like, let me try something different. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. If you don't have your Bibles, that's totally okay. You have your handout, but also you can follow us along on our big screen right here. Luke 15, we see the story of the prodigal son. In the case you don't know the story, here's this young son. He goes to his dad, and he begins to ask him for his part of the inheritance, okay? 
This young man comes to him, and he kind of J.J. Wentworth said, how many guys remember that commercial? It's my money, and I want it. That was what he did. And so his dad said, okay, fine, and he gives it to him. Now, here's the thing. If you kind of read into the text a little bit and kind of read some background story, you'll see a lot of the scholars will say this. What the son did wasn't illegal to ask for his inheritance. It just wasn't very loving or very respectful. Some would even say this, that it was a slap in the face and almost a statement to say, I wish you were dead. Because you really only got your inheritance after death, post-mortem. But here's the dad. He loved his son. So he gave it to him. And then that moment the son takes the money, goes and lives his life. He wilds out. His heart, he starts to have a lot of parties, hanging out with prostitutes. He's doing all these things. And he squanders his dad's money. I love what the Bible says. Jesus says one day this young man gets to his senses because now he has wasted his dad's money. If your first information in, in, in your text there says this, is that the word prodigal means this, to spend money or resources freely and recklessly. He was wastefully extravagant. That's what he did. Now he comes to his senses. He's ready to go home. On his way home, he's thinking, okay, I've sinned against heaven and I sinned against you. He's coming up with what he's going to tell his dad. The Bible says that his dad sees him from afar off. It's like almost his dad was waiting for him on the front porch. And when he sees his son, he jumps off the porch, takes off running. And embraces his son. And that's where we pick up in the story here on Luke chapter 15, verses 22 through 24. Here's what the word says. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. If we can, just for the few moments, can we just kind of read into the text? Because let's be honest, Jesus, Jesus didn't go any further what life was like after the prodigal son came home. We don't know what it looked like a day after. We don't know what it looked like a month after or maybe even six months like, I wonder if the prodigal son felt like I did. Because if I think about the prodigal son, I think about him waking up every day and he sees the looks and maybe he even hears the whispers. And it's almost like he has this wait, waiting saying, you know what? I wonder if at this any moment, if I fail, if I make a mistake, if I slip up, then all my dad's service will go back to my dad and say, see, I told you, your son doesn't deserve to be here. See, I told you, you shouldn't brought him back. See, I told you, he is the same mess. And he'll never be able to do anything that you want him to do. I just wonder if this is how he feels. That he's almost waiting for the shoe to drop because that's how I felt. Even though he has this new name tag because now he's a new person. But think about it. Even in the word, it's called the prodigal son. But now he's a new person. Which leads me to my first question, and this is kind of what hit me kind of hard, and maybe you can resonate with it. What do you do when you have to wear a new name tag in the same environment? What do you do when you have to wear a new name tag in the same environment? See, last week it kind of went old, uh, old school, late 90s, early 2000s. We wrote on our name tags, came up, ripped it up, threw it on the stage, right? And then we try to put, the, put that new name tag on, that new name tag that says forgiven, worthy, unbreakable, restored. 
Whatever it was, you put on this new name tag. And so now you have the new name tag, but then you got to go back to the same environment. You got to go back to your work. You got to go back to your home. You got to hang out with your family, your in-laws and your outlaws, or whatever, your ex-laws, whatever it is, right? So then you have to wear the new name tag in the same environment. So what do you do? I'm going to give you three things real quick that I believe that can help us keep the new name tag on and, and help keep the old name tag off. And this is three things that God's been working with me about over the last couple of months. Number one is this, if you're taking notes, write this down, that you have to strengthen our identity. We need to strengthen our identity in Christ. Because watch this, when we know who we are, then we'll know what to do. All right, I'm going to say it again. When we know who we are, then we'll know what to do. I remember I was in fourth grade and I got into a fight. Now, look, whether or not I won the fight is irrelevant, okay? That's really, all right? So I stood, up to my, I stood up for myself. I stood up for what was important. That's all that matters, okay? And so got in a fight, and I got suspended. The school called uh, my, my dad. My dad had to come pick me up. And so we're in the car. We're driving, and my dad's giving me that lecture. Anybody had that lecture from your dad, like, in the middle of school? Ricky, what were you doing? I'm, I'm here picking up my delinquent son, right? You're getting into a fight. Where he is, he's just going on, on, and on, right? Then finally, he asked me a very important question. Ricky, what was the fight even over? Like, what caused you to start the fight? I'm like, well, Dad, this, this guy called me a name. So I just decked him, right? And he was like, okay, well, son, what did he call you that was so hurtful that you had to punch this kid? I go, well, Dad, he called me a Mexican. I'll let it sink in for a moment. And he goes, what? I said, yeah, he called me a Mexican, so I decked him. That was it. And, like, my dad had this confused look, like almost like, like how those puppies go, like, you know, he's just kind of like, and he said, he's driving, he goes, son, that's what you are. And I looked at him like all confused. I go, dad, I thought I was white, you know? And so, and like my dad's driving, he like drops his head, like embarrassment, like, why do we take this five-year-old kid in, you know? And I'm just like freaking out because in my defense, all right, my grandmother, my mom, my grandmother is my step-grandmother. She's a good old southern country white girl. My, my grandfather, light-skinned. My biological mom, light-skinned. I didn't really have that much interaction with my dad at the moment. And so I just thought I was this white kid, all right? And so don't judge. It's trauma. All right, whatever. And so, <laughs> so here's the deal. When you know who you are, then you know what to do. So guys, listen. The third day after suspension, I come back, had a pair of Dickies on. I had a flannel buttoned up. Just kidding. I didn't do that at all. I'm just kidding. So thought about it, but I didn't. So because when you know who you are, then you know what to do. When we understand this is that the source of our identity is so foundational to how we live our life. Because write this down in your notes. Because where you get your identity from is what you'll build your life upon. Again, where you get your identity from is what you build your life upon. And so now as you're wearing this new name tag and God has changed your life and you found freedom, if you're still drawing your identity back from your past sins, past mistakes, past failures, then all of a sudden you'll begin to live in that manner. So again, where you get your identity from is where you'll draw or is, is what you'll build your life upon. Guys, can I tell you this? The day that you took off that old name tag, that day the enemy put a target on your back. And his goal is to take you back to the very place that God delivered you from. And here's how I'll do it. 
Let me give you some keys here. John 10, 10 says this, that the enemy comes to steal, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come for you to have life and have it to the full. And I believe in this moment, here's how the enemy will begin to do certain things. He wants to come and steal, I believe, your identity. And he'll say things like this, even though you have the new name tag on, you're still the old person. That's still you. What happened last Sunday was a fluke. You know, that really didn't happen. That was just all emotional. That's, that's still you. I believe this, he'll try to kill your self-worth. He'll say things like this, you, you're really not worthy for this grace that God has for you. You're not, you're not worthy to have this, this new name tag. And then I believe the last thing, he will try to destroy your purpose. Because he'll say things like this, how can God use somebody like you? How can God use you after all the things you've done and where you've been? You might as well just hang it up. But here's the deal. When you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. When you, when you are strengthened, when your identity is strengthened in Christ, now all of a sudden you have a new boldness within you. And you can look and you can begin to decree and declare, no, 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 Satan, you're a liar because I know who I am in Christ. And here's what I know what my Bible says about me. My Bible says this, that I'm no longer a slave, but I'm a child and heir to the king. Galatians 4, 7. I am chosen, holy, and blameless before God. Ephesians 1, 4. I am redeemed and forgiven by the grace of Christ. Ephesians 1.7. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I am God's workmanship, right? Created to do good's work. Ephesians 2.10. I'm a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3.20. And this, I, and I know that God loves me and that he has chosen me. 1 Thessalonians 1.4. So Satan, it doesn't matter what you say about me. I know what God says about me and I know what I can walk in today, right? So again, you have to strengthen your identity of Christ because when you know who you are, then you know what to do. So, Rick, how do we, how do we strengthen our identity? Let me give you just a couple of things real fast. We strengthen our identity, number one, by, I'll say this, by creating this non-negotiable quiet time with him. Because the more that you begin to know him and fall deeply in love with him, then that is when his truth will begin to shape your actions and your thoughts. So that's how we strengthen our identity in Christ. So how do you keep the new name tag on and keep the old one off? You have to strengthen your identity because when you do that, I believe this, that you'll find purpose and fulfillment in that moment you will live confidently as a child of the king. Number two, if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, here's the second thing that you have to do to keep the new name tag on and the old name tag off, that you have to train and not try. If the train did not try, I got this portion from Pastor Craig Rochelle. He said this, uh, Pastor Justin and I went to uh, Dallas about three months ago or two months ago. And, and Pastor Craig said this, and it was revolutionary to my life. He says, guys, you have to start tra training and stop trying because there's a difference between the two. Can we agree, maybe you can resonate with this, that whenever you're trying, you have this half-hearted commitment almost, right? And you always, and it seems like whenever you're trying, you already have this prepared type excuse that you can't, or for the reason why you can't meet a specific goal. Right. Anybody else like me and you've fallen into this cycle, you do good and then you go back, you do good and you go back, oh, I'm trying to be better, I'm trying to do this, but then it seems like you, you can never reach that, that goal. Let me give you an example, right? Maybe you've said this, I'm trying to lose weight and to eat healthy, but my coworkers go out to eat every day. I'm looking at my coworkers, all right? So uh, 
Because I'm like, that's my excuse. Tiff is like, I thought you were going to try to do better. I was trying, but Pastor Brad's like, let's go to Saigon. Or let's go to this. And I'm like, I'm going, you know. And so, so yeah, so how about this, right? I'm, I'm trying to be nice, but the slow driver that's driving in, this, in, in the passing lane is getting on my nerves. And so I got to tell him that he's number one. Come on, anybody else? Like, not with this finger, but anyways, right? And so how about this? I'm, I'm trying to read my Bible and to be a good Christian, but I just can't find the time to do it. Or we can apply it to today. I'm, I'm trying to wear the new name tag. Anybody say this this last week? But boy, the devil be working. Come on. So we already have this, this prepared excuse, this, this half-hearted commitment. We've already given our, ourselves permission to fail. But can we agree there's a difference between trying and training? Training, listen, you have, it's a whole different mindset. Training, listen, you're not worried about your feelings. You're not worried about your emotions. All you're worried about is the commitment that you made. You focus, you're focused, you have this complete different mindset, right? Listen, you're prepared. You've come up with a game plan because you know, listen, strategy. When you think about it, hope is not a strategy at all whatsoever. You're not just going to hope on something, but you have to be intentional. Can, can I say this? Your walk with Christ is not based on a feeling or an emotion. It's based on a choice. And to wear the new name tag is the same thing. To wear the new name tag every day is not based on a feeling or an emotion. It's based on a choice. No matter how I feel, I'm going off of my commitment. It's when you train and not try. So in Scripture, if you can't go with me to Scripture, 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27 says this. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their trying? No, in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I, I discipline my body like an athlete training to, uh, for it to do what it should. And one of my favorite scriptures over, over the last couple of months has been this. 1 Timothy 4, 7. But do not follow the foolish stories that disagree with God's truth, but train yourself to serve God. So again, don't try, train. It's a different mindset. So like, for instance, okay, instead of saying something like this, I'm trying to have a good marriage, just say this, no, 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 we are a great marriage in training. Instead of saying, hey, listen, I'm trying to be a good mom or I'm trying to be a good dad. No, no, no. You're a great mom or dad in training. Or, hey, I'm trying to be a good leader. No, no, no. You're a great leader in training. Oh, well, you know, I'm trying to wear the new name tag. No, no, no. You are a new creation in Christ in training. It's a whole different mindset from trying to train. As I think about this, you know, uh, just recently over the last like two weeks, I began to do some training, okay? Um, Anthony and I began to start lifting weights like five o'clock in the morning, okay? And here's what I realized. I know that's early. People are like, ooh, that's not. Yeah, it's, it's early, too early for me. I get up, at, I try to get up around 3.30 or 4, do a quick Bible study, and then try to get to the gym by 5. And so, so here's the deal. I realized as I started training, and not trying, because I'm trying to lose weight. No, no, I'm training to lose weight, right? 
So now you have to begin to invest in certain things. Like I had to invest in my time. Then as I'm lifting, Aunt goes, nah, dog, you can't use that. You got, you got to have lifting shoes. So I go and I buy lifting shoes. Then I got to have lifting stuff like, like gloves for the bar. And then I got to get a bag and all this stuff. And so I'm investing in all these things. So for you, how do you train and not try? There are some things that you need to invest in. I would say this, the first one, to start training. We have, we have season two of life groups starting next month. Get plugged into a group. That's training and not trying. I would, I would say this, find yourself an accountability partner. That's part of training. If you don't remember anything else I say today, remember this, that you need people in your life that's going to tell you no. We have too many people in our society that have people in their lives that just sign their check on whatever they want to do. But if you really want to train, you'll find yourself a great accountability partner. If you want to train and not try, you can go and how about this? Some of us find a counselor to talk to, kind of help us process through certain things. How about this? To train and not try, trust God with our finances and begin to give in the tithe. Train, not try. And the last thing is this, if you're taking notes, here's the last thing that we can do, the, the, the last step to, for us to keep the new name tag on and the, no, and the old name tag off is this. Focus on the present and my purpose and leave the past behind. If you want to keep the new name tag on, the old one off, focus on your present and your purpose and leave the past behind. The Apostle Paul gave some great advice uh, to, the, to the people of Philippi, and I believe it applies to us today. Philippians 3.13 says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Can I be honest? I think a lot of us, we get caught up within our past. See, Paul is saying this. Paul is saying, hey, listen, I'm not going to let my past failures or successes get in the way of what God's doing right now in the present. And maybe some of you guys are like myself I can get so locked into the past and what has gone on. And I'll try to go back and anybody else try to do this? You try to replay what happened like you could do something different, knowing that, knowing that the damage is already done. If I can give you just your last point here, you have to prioritize our present and our past because when we don't, we will get distracted. We have to prioritize our present and our purpose because when we don't, we get distracted by our past. If you don't focus on what's right in front of you or what God has ahead of you, then I promise you that you will always look back to your past failures, mistakes, and sins. So prioritize your present and your purpose and get distracted so you won't get distracted by your past. You know, there's, um, I've been married for, to Tiff. Uh, this year will be 18 years. And um, together, total of 20. She's put up with me for that long. And... Um, I was walking through the house the other day, and I was thinking about this point on and on and on. And you know, I was walking by Tiff, said, are you okay? I said, yeah. And she kissed me on the cheek, and, and, and I, she walked past me, and I had this one thought come to me. I just wanted to share it with you today, and that was this. The thought was this. Treat your past like the ex that you prayed for. Let me dive into that a little second, for, for a second. Growing up, I thought I was going to marry this one girl. And I kept praying, God, please, please, God, please, God, let it work out. Please, God, let it work out. Please, God, let it work out. Please, God, let it work out, right? Never did. Then I found my beautiful bride. Can I tell you this? That was a game changer. Like, I really outpunted my coverage here, right? So, uh, but when she came into my life, I never once again thought about any one of my exes because all my exes live in Texas, right? So, uh, <laughs> but what happened was is that the moment she came in, 
The only time I ever think about them is when I'm scrolling through Facebook and we're friends. And then I stop, I go, thank God for unanswered prayers. You know what I'm saying? And so, because here's what I'm doing. Because now I'm focused on the present of what we're doing and the legacy that we're building as a family for the future. So I don't even think about what's happening in the past. And some of you guys are so locked into what happened in your past, the trauma and the hurt. I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that that's not important. No, it is there and it is real. But when you get locked into that, you will be distracted by your past and God can't work in your present and help build your future. You just can't. Leading up to this message is kind of, kind of painful. Can I, can I be honest? Sometimes Pastor Brad makes me mad. <laughs> just gonna be, I'm just going to throw it out there. Okay? Here's the reason why. I tell him all the time. If you weren't a pastor, you'd be a great therapist, right? I walk into his office. I say, hey, I want to make sure I'm not preaching heresy. Make sure this is good sound doctrine. Everything's good theology-wise. And I was walking through, and I told the story about my mom. Like, if I could be honest, I struggled with this, trying to how to, how to tie in everything. And I told the story about my mom. Pastor Brad stops, and I see him shaking his head a little bit and close his eyes. He made a statement. He goes, I believe that your words, the words that your mom said, we will see had a greater impact on your life than what you thought. I was like, mm, I don't see it yet. And then he began, through the power of the Holy Spirit, began to reveal some things to me. Then I start to ugly cry. Anybody have been there? You just ugly cry. Like, I'm ugly crying to my boss, to my pastor. Because he was right. I didn't realize how I shaped my life around the words we will see. Because in that moment, I had to prove to my mom that I was good enough. I had to prove to my mom and my family that I was worthy. And that, they never put that on me. That's what I put upon myself. And I realized church after church, environment after environment, I put that upon my life. And I was trying to prove myself to be good enough. And I worked from sunup to sundown. I worked with excellence to, to make sure that I could not be fired. I wanted the church to need me so that I would. So, so if I ever left, nobody could ever say, well, that, that church fired him. No, it's, no, no, no. He chose to leave on his own efforts. And in, in the roads and the avenues leading to TC, by the time I got here, can I just be honest? I was exhausted. I was broken. I was unsure about my identity. I was unsure about my purpose. I was unsure about so many things. And then Pastor Brad and Miss Ashley, they began to breathe life into me. They began to encourage me, to push me. Pastor Dan, one of the first things he said to me was this, we care about you, not what you do. I just felt lost. Didn't know who I was. Can I be honest? I was ready to quit ministry, just ready to walk away from it. Didn't want to do it anymore. Because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know my purpose. But I found TC. Can I be honest? TC is one of the most healthiest environments I've ever been in my entire life. Now, are we perfect? No, nah, we still make mistakes like everybody else does. It's just healthy. So if I can be honest, I've been, I'm, I'm, I'm in this spot right now. Still a struggle sometimes. And when I feel like the past is coming in, I have to 
strengthen my identity in Christ. The moment that happens, I have to shut the world out, shut the lies of the enemy out, run to my prayer closet, and then begin to seek God's face. And I have to tell myself, Rick, you're not, you're not a good pastor, or you're not trying to be a good pastor. You're not trying to be a good leader. No, no, you're a great pastor and a great leader in training. And then, Rick, you have to forget the past. It happened just this last Thursday. I was, I was walking around the corner, and Pastor Justin and Pastor Brower were in the office. And, uh, and here's my first thought. I'm not, I'm not invited to the meeting. I guess you're fired. <laughs> so, Rick, start packing your bags. They'll tell you, for the first three to four months, I didn't put anything in my office. No pictures, no nothing, because I thought they would just look for a reason to get rid of me. And he never put that on me. I put it on myself because of the environments that I were in before here. So I thought they were just trying to find a reason and, and try to look for a reason. So when I passed by the, the conference room, that was the first thought. Then I had to remind myself, no, 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 I'm focused on the future and what God has. And as a church, we have a 10-year goal, a three-year goal, and a one-year goal. And listen, if, if, if Rick, if you're not supposed to be here, your pastor wouldn't have shared that goal with you. So quit being a baby, shut up your emotions, and shut up these thoughts, and do what God has called you to do. And so I'm just like, bet, I'm just going to keep on walking. And I totally ignored everything that was going on. And then, and then I looked at our schedule. I was like, oh, it's like some type of meeting about bylaws. I'm like, oh, thank God I'm not in that meeting. And so, yeah, I don't need to be in that at all. And so, but isn't it funny how the enemy works? Can I, can I be honest? As you wear this new name tag, listen, to keep the new one on, take the old one off, do what I'm doing right now in this moment. Strengthen your identity in Christ. Train and not try. And focus on your present and your future and forget the past. And let God do what he wants to do in your life today. Barry heads with me today if you can. You may say, Rick, I'm going to be honest with you as, as we're talking about this. I, you're talking about Christ and you're talking about all of his new things. If I can be honest, I don't even know Jesus. And if I died right now, I don't even have this identity in Christ. And if I died today, I know for sure that I would just miss heaven. Today, we want you to know Christ in an intimate way. And we want you to have a new identity in him where the old is gone and the new has come. And we believe that can happen today. So if you say, Rick, that's me. I don't know Jesus just yet, but I want to know him. Will you pray with me? Church, if we can, let's pray together today. Everybody in this room, let's pray together. Everybody say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again. Please come into my life and be my savior. Please forgive me of all my sin. Thank you for saving me. Today, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, see God a big hand clap of praise real quick. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. MyTC.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.